A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Hello Somebody, a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia, where we rage against the machine, where we raise our voices against injustice and stand up for justice, where we embrace hope and joy with an optimism for a brighter, more just future. Each week, I'll be dropping knowledge, whether it's a solo episode from me or a hearty discussion with esteemed guests doing great things in spaces and places of politics, entertainment, social justice, and beyond. We get real, baby. I mean, really real. We get honest. We get up close and personal for you. Yes, you. Because everybody is somebody. Before we begin, I want to give a special shout out to my team. Thank you, Sim, Tiffany, Sam, and the team over at Good Juju Studios, Erica England, Pepper Chambers, the hot one, and my social media team. There is always, and I mean always, a time in history when a courageous, unapologetic, and bold soul sees that some shit needs to change, and that heroic soul steps up without equivocation. I don't think people get the whole picture or fully understand the bravery it takes for a person or a group of people to stand up against corrupting forces, against corporate giants, against hell, just standing up to anybody that may be bigger than them physically and financially. Well, I must say that every bully eventually has its day. And today, In this very historic moment, I have with me the one and only Mr. Chris Smalls, president of Amazon Labor Union, and he saw and stepped up against those giants. I want to call him a giant killer because that's what he did. He slayed them giants and they don't know what to do with themselves. He was bold enough and brave enough and courageous enough to say enough is enough. So we're going to get into this. Christian, how are you, darling? Good. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. 
Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you on this show. I've been watching you and following you and your fight. And as most people know, and there may be some people new to listening to Hello Somebody or even some people new to both meeting you and myself. But I want them to know that you took a very painful moment in your life. Well, I'm jumping the gun, but being fired, you're going to tell this story, but you took a painful moment in your life and you turned it into something magnificent. And I know that a lot of people want to know what was the force behind motivating you, taking a moment in your life that could have set somebody else off in a different path, meaning that they just gave up totally because of the mammoth on the other side of this fight. What happened and what motivated you? to keep pushing? Yeah, well, it was definitely the pandemic. It was a life or death situation going on in the country, in the world. And um, Amazon, and along with other industries, had us deemed as essential workers, as you know. And to be deemed as an essential worker and not treated as such, um, but for years upon years and working at this company, I just couldn't take it anymore, especially when it came to COVID-19, watching my associates, my former colleagues, people that worked underneath me, come in the building every day without PPE, getting sick one by one in a domino effect right in front of me. I couldn't just stand there and be complacent about the situation. I had to take action. So that led me to do so. I'm old enough to remember when we did call workers such as Amazon workers. I remember the word being spread that Amazon workers save Christmas. You know, it was kind of like a little joke, but it was true. That because of the onslaught of the pandemic in 2020, a lot of people couldn't get out the way that they would usually do if they celebrate the holiday and they shop. And it was Amazon workers of all all the levels within the, the warehouse, the people who drive the trucks, the people who pack, all of that. You all really saved Christmas and people were appreciative. I know folks cannot necessarily see my air quotes right now, but then all of a sudden that was lost. You had a whole bunch of political leaders and business leaders singing your praises. And then all of a sudden people acted like essential workers, like Amazon workers, grocery store workers, medical workers, you know, the kinds of workers that all the rest of us needed to be able to carry on our lives. Amazon was very much a part of that. And then all of a sudden there was no praise and no uplift for essential workers at all. Do you think that we are too quick to forget because we are such an instant society? We see it today and then we move on to the next. What is it about no longer seeing both Amazon workers and also your counterparts in other industries as essentials? And then my last point to this question, not just saying the words essential, but treating you as though you are essential. Yeah, I think um, once the economy started to get back rolling, the attention away from the issues in this country was starting to dwindle in the media as well. You know, not just with the labor movement, but with every every movement, the social injustice, environmental, you know, women's rights, the war, everything that's taking place in this country, you know, media gets dragged in several different directions. So it was easy for our stories, our voices to get buried. And that was my also mission uh, of mine to keep our story and our voices alive. Just by, you know, continue to put in the work and do demonstrations across the country to amplify our voices. And then when it came time to unionize, we had to change course a little bit, change up our strategy. We had to definitely reach out for community support. And in return, we realized that it was divided in, in the, and we didn't really have that, uh, that option. We didn't have the, the resources or the established unions behind us. We had to do a real grassroots. 
And that's how we had to beat Amazon. We had to bring it into the warehouse, connect with the coworkers, let them know the issues of what's going on, and really build and earn trust with them. Otherwise, we'd have never got it done. And what lessons did you learn? I mean, you were forced into that grassroots position. Obviously, you would have loved to have had the support of larger, more established unions. But since you found yourself being pretty much on your own, you and the rest of the people who believe in your cause, what are some of the lessons that you learned in this tumultuous process? What I definitely learned is uh, it doesn't matter the amount of money the millions of dollars that the company spent against us doesn't matter about their union buses being in the building 24-7. It doesn't matter what they can do. When the power of the people come together and when we all come together, uh, we can defeat anything. And that's exactly what this campaign proven is that ordinary people from all different backgrounds, ethnicities can come together and defeat what we call Goliath. And, you know, we want to continue to amplify that on a national scale. Here in JFK, Staten Island, that's just one building. And there's several other campaigns that are still taking place. Uh, of course, Bessemer, Alabama. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we're being taken care of all across the country. You know, even in Ohio, this work is reaching out to us. We've been contacted by every building in the country since we won. And I just think right now we're a part of a really bigger revolution uh, when it comes to Amazon workers, just like Starbucks. No, you really are, Chris, and just all those who are fighting to just even unionize. And you had like this burst, I think, in uh, 2021 in particular, where you saw a lot of our sisters and brothers and family and friends who are already unionized really fighting and pushing for better wages, better work conditions and better benefits. John Deere comes to mind. There were nurses that were on strike during that time. There were teachers that were striking. It was bakers, you know, uh, from the bakers union, just the onslaught of those who are already within the house of labor. And when you couple that, people who are already unionized, who look at what is happening in the system, And they make a collective demand together, putting aside political affiliations, which president you supported, what party you are from, your ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, religion. All of that stuff goes out the door when you're trying to either one, unionize or two, you're already unionizing. You're fighting for better benefits, wages and work conditions. And I see, Chris, what is happening within the labor movement as a template for bringing working class people from all backgrounds together to fight against an entire system, be it social, political, economic, environmental, and racial, to fight for something that is bigger and better than us. How do you feel about people seeing the work that you're doing and others within the labor movement as a template to bring people from all walks of life together to demand better? That's the key. You know, what I said to Lizzie Graham was the same thing. You know, it doesn't matter if you're on the left or the right. So you you do see a connection between the larger labor struggle and the struggle for all working class people to demand better and to live good lives. And you definitely set the stage for that multiple times. But I think especially for the world to see when you were at the Senate hearing and you had a chance to have an exchange with uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. Yeah, like I said, you know, this is not a left or right thing. This is a working class issue. And um, we have to uplift ourselves. We can't rely on billionaires to do it. We definitely can't rely on the establishment to do it. You know, grassroots community efforts, bringing people together from all backgrounds. That's how we defeat the system that doesn't work for us. Yeah, totally agree. 
a new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For people who have never, ever, maybe they don't have an Amazon worker in their family, there are many people who've never worked in a factory. Can you walk us through a typical day in an Amazon warehouse? Absolutely. So I'll give you what I used to go through uh, as an experience. I live in New Jersey, which is about 15 minutes from the city if you're driving without traffic. And if you don't have a vehicle, you have to commute. You know, commuting is public trans with the bus, train, subway, ferry. I had to take all three of these different options to get to Amazon, Staten Island. So most workers at, in the New York area that goes to Staten Island, they have to take the bus to the city, then the train downtown to the ferry, and then the ferry across the river to Staten Island, then another bus to 40, which goes to the last stop, which is Amazon. And that could take anywhere between two and a half to three hours, depending on where you're coming from, what borough you live in. Uh, if you live in New Jersey. So two and a half to three hours each way on top of your 10 or 12 hour shift. I work both. I used to tell my new hires, if you have a gym membership, uh, you might want to cancel it because you're going to be doing 10 to 12 hours of calisthenics, pulling, reaching, bending, lifting items all day long. You're on a station. You have to make productivity, which is for my department. The hourly rate was 400 items an hour. So I had to pick at a station which is like sort of like a cubicle-like station. And it's like a robot that brings over sort of like a bookshelf. And you pick these small items that customers order, you know, all day long. 
and you're doing that for 10 to 12 hours. So yeah, it was very physical and more so mentally, uh, it took a toll on you as well. It used to seem like solitary confinement because these buildings don't have any windows. These buildings are massive, the size of 14 NFL football fields, a million square feet. Uh, it takes five to 10 minutes to walk to your bathroom and you only get a 30 minute lunch for the hours that you put in. So. You know, just imagine being in that four days a week and beyond. So, Chris, let me go back to something you said, because I don't want to lose it. You said you only get a 30 minute lunch for a 10 to 12 hour shift. So the 10 hour shift, you get 30 minutes and you also get a 15 minute or 20 minute break. They give you two breaks for the day. Same thing with the 12 hour shift. Uh, You may get a 45 minute lunch, but you also get another second break and then that'll be it. Still wasn't enough hardly enough to work those long hours and have, you know, such a little break time. Yeah, I agree. And the grueling physical work. And you mentioned no windows. Oh, no. The only windows you see is in the cafeteria, anywhere else in the building. You know, there's windows that are that you can't even you know see for yourself. They're all the way up top or if the building has them at all, they may not even have them. So you wouldn't even know if there was a weather occurrence because you have no windows or very few windows. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, we didn't have access to our phones before the pandemic either. So imagine that those years that I worked at Amazon, you didn't have access to your phone. We had to put our phones in lockers. They allowed to have the phones during the pandemic. And because of you know our efforts with the union, uh, amplifying that, you know, our phones need to be on us at all times because of what happened with the tornado. Yes. We didn't have that access, you know, before. And, and that was another issue as well. I mean, it sounds very much to me reminiscent of sweatshops that we had once upon a time in this country. And those were, I mean, for a long time, you know, workers of this nation. And that's how we were able to get, you know, that is why labor exists was to fight for those things, better work conditions, better benefits, a better salary and all of that kind of stuff. But to me, hearing you describe what a typical day could be like for a worker coming from New Jersey or in the greater New York area working at the Staten Island, it seems to me as if this is regression and not progress. And I, for the life of me, do not understand why any local, state, or federal labor board or organization that is charged with looking out for workers would even agree to those kinds of work conditions. And particularly when you get the work permit For the buildings, that is a local issue. I served on a local city council here in Cleveland. That comes from the local level. Why would any local government approve that kind of building for workers? There's something psychological about windows, and this is real. This is not just Nina Turner saying it. There's science behind having real sunlight and science behind having fresh air and the impact that having those things have on our psyche and our physical body. Conversely, not having those things have an impact on our psyche and our physical bodies. Oh, yeah, I agree 100%. Once again, I mentioned it was solitary confinement. You're in this building from sundown to sundown. You don't see the sunlight when you're outside unless you go outside for break. And you're tracked on your second break, so you don't have that much time. It's real prison-like. I visited quite a few prisons in my life, you know, with my, my father being incarcerated. And I can tell you there's not too much of a difference, especially now in Staten Island because of the union campaign. They build up a fence with barbed wire. Never seen what? that at the Amazon. Yeah, there's a fence with barbed wire right outside of JFK. There's a scaffold there now. It doesn't make any sense why they put that up. But, you know, all these things that just 
feel real prison like you know the buildings are already far out away from the inner city and it takes you know once again two hours three hours to get there if you're commuting it's a disconnect from society and that's why it's important that we uh amplify their voices and we do our demonstrations out there press conferences out there if i was doing any media they had to come meet me in the trenches because that's what it was that's exactly right, Chris. And so I want the people who are on this journey with us today to understand that because most people in the world order from Amazon. It's not a matter of Amazon going away. It is a matter of Amazon being a better corporate citizen and treating its workers with the respect and dignity that they deserve, starting with benefits, work conditions, and wages. I was struck, Chris, when I went to Bessemer, Alabama, I mean, to a person, and we know that their majority African-American workforce, majority African-American woman workforce, I was just really struck by the fact that I have not heard, and you've certainly been around many more Amazon workers than I have, but I did not hear and have not heard to this very moment any Amazon worker who wanted Amazon to go out of business. What I did hear from the workers was that they wanted to be treated through actions and deeds, both through my paycheck, through my work conditions, through my benefits, with the respect and dignity that they deserve in helping this company become the juggernaut that it is in the world. Even after all the abuse and the stories that I've heard and the one that you are lifting up today, I still did not hear one Amazon worker say that they wanted Amazon to go out of business. Yeah, that's true. Even for my case as well, you know, they just, they tried to use that against us. They're like, oh, the million dollar lawyer sent, you know, my Twitter handle shut down Amazon to the NLRB saying that, you know, we want to shut down the building. We want to shut down Amazon. It's ridiculous. It's like, no, we don't, we want our jobs. We just want to be treated better. We want better pay. We want better medical leave options. We want a pension. We want job security. You know, basic things that a trillion dollar company should be able to afford with no problem. If they took one million of their dollars and stopped putting it towards union busting, they can actually pay everybody a decent living wage. And that's all we're asking for is a fair share and um, to be treated with respect and to be treated as essential workers since we are a necessity. You are. We're going to fight until we get that. Look, to me, when I saw shut down Amazon, I was thinking it meant shut down the bullshit. And let's get to the real shit. That's how I took it. Shut that down. Shut down this old way of doing things and let's do things the right way. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. 
At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To me, local government has a role to play. Chris, I am harping on the building and I can envision, I've been to several prisons, you know, over my professional life as well. And I can visualize it. And to me, when you talk about going on lunch, I can visualize being in the yard when you just getting a chance to look up at the sun and get a little fresh air. And then you got to go back in, like you said, to solitary confinement. It makes no sense. And then you said uh, a scaffold and a fence with barbed wire. How in the hell did the locals allow Amazon? See, we got to put this blame everywhere. Government has a role to play local, regional, state, and federal, and they are letting Amazon do this to the workers. Because if the federal government in particular was carrying the carrot and the stick, they wouldn't get, be able to get away with this. If federal, local, state, and regional leaders who are elected were more outraged, Amazon wouldn't be able to get away with this because government writes the rules. So who in the hell approved a building that has very few windows? I'm just really, in everything that you're saying, just really disappointed with uh, those who are elected to office because they are allowing this company to get away with it. And it really all goes back to big money in politics. Too many of these elected officials are bought and sold, Chris. Absolutely. I've noticed that in my short two years of organizing how politics play into this organizing realm. We have to apply that pressure too. I had to call out AOC. That's what it took to get her out there. She came out there, you know, now we're tight, you know, we're good. And she's starting yeah. to help out even more. And that's what it takes. Good. It takes us to hold them accountable. And we have to do that, especially the unions that's been around. You know, Amazon's been around for 28 years, you know, and the stuff that we're doing, of course, is unprecedented. But at the same time, these established unions have been doing a lot more, uh, a lot sooner. And, you know, we have to hold them accountable as well as, you know, the new up and coming grassroots organization. I want to make sure that everybody's involved in trying to fight against Amazon because they're in every state. They're in every major city across this country. And once again, all the workers since uh, we won have reached out to us from every building in the country and beyond, even overseas. So we're going to need a lot of support. We're going to have to all be David versus Goliath. Yeah, beautiful. I'm so glad to hear that people are ready to rise up. And a lot of that comes from the courage that you showed, uh, the courage that our sisters and brothers and family and friends showed in Bessemer to really say, we're going to fight. We don't care what they say and what they do. 
we are going to fight. I, I want to draw attention to something. I think it was one of the Amazon lawyers said because they they underestimated you. And your story is one of triumph, but it's not without pain and it's not without sacrifice. People see you where you are now and they see all the interviews and the calls that you get. But very few people understand what it took for you to be in this moment. They see you on top, so to speak. And I'm using on top, not to say that you, it's, it's not an indication that you are above the people, but I mean, people see you at the top of the game and this game, which is to fight for unionization at Amazon. But very few people know the moments of anxiety, the moments of ridicule, uh, the moments of doubt that you had to endure before you opened everybody's eyes by doing what my grandmother used to say. She used to say this, I can show you better than I can tell you. And that's exactly what you did. And one moment in particular is, I, I believe this came from one of the attorneys, but you can tell me. And, and the quote, I'm quoting this person. They said he's not smart or articulate. That statement really gave me chills. It really did. And it just reminded me that oppression and arrogance and racism is still alive and well. What were your initial thoughts when you saw that or when you read that? And how did you prove them wrong? How did you do what my grandmother said? I can show you better than I can tell you. I noted it for sure. Um, I remember when it came out, it was like a, a week or two after I was fired two years ago. David Sapolsky said that, you know, I'm not smart or articulate. Instead of answering for the umpteen time, their health and safety concerns to the media. That was their plan, their smear campaign. And Jeff Bezos himself was in that room and also signed off on that as well. So, of course, it motivated me to continue advocating. Definitely upset at me. That is definitely something that is a stigma in the black community to say something like that. Definitely made my lawyers upset. I remember my lawyer reached out to me and he was more upset than I was because I didn't understand it at first. It took me a minute to understand what he sent me. I'm like, wait a second. I'm reading something that was said about me. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So I noted that and, you know, I said, you know, I'm going to show them. I traveled the country, advocated in front of Jeff Bezos' mansions and penthouses all across the country, from New York all the way to Beverly Hills. Then we went up to Seattle. We went to corporate. We went to the Spears. And then we went to Alabama as well. We took a stop down there. And we came back home and we said, you know what, let's try to unionize Staten Island. And um, the same people that I had from day one, some of them uh, used to be my former um, employees underneath me. I used to be their supervisor. They still ride with me today. And, um, and that's what it took. It took us all coming back home to New York, coming together, bringing people, our comrades with us. And we had people pack their lives up, travel across country and um, organize with us. And we got it done. Yeah, you did. And I'm glad your lawyer was upset about it. I, as soon as I read it, just because, you know, I'm a professor of African-American history and I I understand what that meant. It's, it was just like using the Aunt Jemima. One time in my political career, the Aunt Jemima was used against me. So when people do that, especially white people, when they say he's not smart, he's not articulate, it's falling back on a tired, old mm -hmm. uh, stereotype about black people and our intellect and the seed. We're not talking about the 1800s or the 1900s. We're talking about the 2000s and they're still playing that game. Right. You know, there was a point in time, I don't know if you recall, there was a candidate they did the reverse. They said of then Senator Obama, he's clean and articulate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that person is in the White House right now. 
he did the reverse. He's right. he's clean and articulate instead of calling him not. He's clean and articulate again. It doesn't matter how they use it. It is a stereotype and a trope against African American people, and it does does remind us that the fight against anti blackness is real, and that racism and bigotry will always fall back on its tired old tropes, and that is one of them to paint you as insignificant, really. Right. That's what they were trying to do. And you did show them. And I'm so glad that you did. And there are thousands and thousands of Amazon workers and other working class people who are glad that you did too. I want to end our session with two things. One, I want to do it with a quote. I'm going to do a faith-based quote. Now, everybody that listens to Hello Somebody, they know my love language is quotes and scriptures. And then, Chris, I, I want you to respond to it. And then also, lastly, I want you to tell people what they can do to be involved, to be engaged, and to help you and your colleagues on this justice journey, because justice is a journey, is not a destination. So I'm going to pull something from Dr. King. He's so quotable, but here we go. May I stress the need for courage, intelligent, and dedicated leadership, leaders of sound integrity, leaders not in love with publicity, but in love with justice, leaders not in love with money, but in love with humanity, leaders who can subject their particular egos to the greatness of the cause. When I thought about that quote, I thought about you. You are subjecting yourself to the greatness of the cause. That inspiring word comes from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And another one I have from the book of Joshua, the first chapter, the ninth verse, and it reads, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. And I'm using that scripture in a spiritual sense. I know everybody that is listening to us does not, you know, hail from the Christian tradition. We probably have Buddhists and Muslims and Jewish sisters and brothers and family and friends and atheists and agnostics too, you know, people who rock all kinds of different ways. So when I read that, I'm reading it from a spiritual sense of just pouring in to you for the incredible work that you have done and what you are continuing to do. So if you can react to both of those things and then tell all of us what we can do to be more helpful to you and your colleagues in this fight. Well, thank you, because you know, I love getting that type of spiritual motivation as well, because it's needed in this fight. And and that's what um, you know I take from, them, from both of the quotes is that, you know, the work that I'm doing is God's work. You know, I started yes. two years ago, and if you would have asked me two and a half years ago, would I be sitting here talking to Senator Turner? I'd have been like, uh, "What are you talking about?" Just being unemployed, being fired, being an advocate for workers for so long, and continue to do the work that I'm doing. I want to represent everybody. I want to continue to inspire and continue to uh, bring people together, and that's what my journey is about. It's never been about myself. It's always been about the people. And it's going to continue to be that way. No matter who I'm meeting, whether I'm going to the White House, no matter what celebrity I'm standing next to or shaking hands with, uh, none of that matters to me. And uh, anybody that's been around me that know who I am as a person know that I'm, I'm for the people. I was uh, pushed forward by the people and the people embraced that. You know, we all in this together. You know, solidarity forever. Indeed, solidarity forever. And if people want to get involved, 
what do you recommend they do? And please share all of your social media handles. Sure, absolutely. This is Nationwide Call to Action. Amazon hasn't recognized Juneteenth as a paid holiday. They claim they're standing with the Black community, solidarity with the Black community. They need to pay us on our holiday and uh, make that a paid national holiday, make it the ninth paid national holiday for the company. Right now, it's only eight. As you know, it's been passed since last year. They made an excuse of the reason they're being so close. They couldn't do it in time, but they had a whole year to make that decision, and it still hasn't been made yet. So I'm, I'm asking everybody to amplify that Juneteenth is not recognized as a paid holiday from Amazon. Cancel your prime. Do whatever you got to do. Amplify that. And we're putting out a petition. Please look for that. It's going to be on our social media, which can be found on Twitter at Amazon Labor, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Amazon Labor Union, at AmazonLaborUnion.org, and myself um, at shut underscore down Amazon on Twitter, at Chris Smalls on Instagram. Well, it has been our absolute honor and pleasure to have you. Chris Smalls, the one and only the president of the ALU. He is making all kinds of good trouble, and we are so glad that he is. Please make sure that you do what you can, where you are, what you have. Join this fight, because when you join the fight with the Amazon workers all over the world, you are really joining the fight with the House of Labor all over the world. Chris Smalls, what a pleasure, baby. You keep the faith, and I want you to keep the fight. Coming. The pain is numbing. Try to shoot for the stars if you gon' aim for something. Embrace the love for your brother and sister. Unity's the missing brush. We need to puzzle this picture. Let's paint it up, frame it up for the world to see. Hang the hatred up. Enough is enough is enough. Making changes on us. In Turner, her voice is the truth. Her wise words inspire the youth to keep their eyes on the roof. It's the end. Never give up. Keep conquering goals. To the eye, intelligence, silver, wisdom is gold. Back to the end, now is your time. Stay firm, don't fold. To the A, all you need is the three bones. That's what Granny said. Now I'ma make sure these words from Granny spread. For all of here, just give her your ear. She can take you to the promised land, I swear. World peace is what they fear. From Queens to Cleveland, Ohio, we here. Famous. Somebody is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. 
And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.